Do you share our obsession with everything skincare? On the Seasonal Skin Collective podcast, we will do a deep dive into the world of skincare, health, and wellness. My name is Allison, and I am the founder of Seasonal Skin Collective, a seasonal skincare box focused on clean, ethically made products that are tailored to what the skin craves with the arrival of each new season. Join us bi-weekly for tips and tricks from industry experts, inspiring words and advice from brand founders, and guidance on how to maximize your health and wellness from the inside out. Learn something new, discover amazing brands, and get ready for many great skin days ahead. I am so grateful and what I love most about it and what drove me to get to where I am right now is breaking stigmas. I hate being put into a box. And so talking about that from a green beauty perspective as well, green beauty has been put into such a box and there's so much green shaming and we just want to be a welcoming space that come as you are and wherever you're at in your journey of being more conscious from an ingredient perspective, from an ethical perspective, whatever it might be, come as you are, we welcome you and let's all learn together. Welcome to the third episode of the Seasonal Skin Collective podcast. I am joined today by Brandy Lifeso of EVO Beauty. We were lucky enough to work with EVO and include them in our debut winter box. And today we're discussing Brandy's inspiring journey through entrepreneurship and how she's shaken up the clean beauty industry and built a brand with the mission to create a clean and conscious future where good for you products are affordable. Brandy, thank you for being here today. Ah, thanks so much for having me, Allison. No, it's really exciting. And uh, to begin, um, let's go back. And I know you probably get asked all the time to tell your story, but it truly is so inspirational. Can you tell us about how you got your start? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you're totally right. This is the number one asked question. I think um, in a lot of ways, this is what really makes EVO different. Although that was not at all what I didn't realize that my life was really that different until I started EVO and people started talking about it and they were like, wow. And so how it all started was I was living in a safe house woman's shelter when I was 21 years old. Um, I was there due to making the choice to leave an unhealthy um, relationship. And so while I was there, I photoshopped a catalog of make-believe products and made this entire cosmetic line catalog using my laptop and Photoshop and taught myself how to use that Photoshop on YouTube. And then I took around that catalog to local boutiques. At that time, I was in Vancouver. And to my surprise, people bought it. Um, And then I had lead time, turnaround, made the product. And that's how I got back on my feet. And that's also how we started EVO. And then we started working with organizations as well um, that worked with like in women's shelters. And we started um, employing women in the shelter as well and really kind of taking a look at just how unfortunately broken the system is and seeing how we could make some true impact. And that's really so EVO really started as my own kind of protest. And it's really a force for good. And we just so happen to sell makeup, but that's such a small, small aspect of of who we are and what we do. And, you know, you've become such a role model for women in business. And um, you have come from such like to say humble beginnings is an understatement. Um, What advice would you give to somebody who wants to take the leap in business and maybe just doesn't know 
how to start or where to start? Yeah, I think, you know, start where you are with what you have. I think a lot of the times we overcomplicate things. And honestly, it's it's really just that simple. I think a lot of people also complicate things because they think, you know, what if I make the wrong decision or, you know, 95% of startups fail. Uh, traditionally, female founded companies are drastically underfunded. Um, there's so many things that you're up against. But the truth of it is you just make a decision and take one step at a time with and start where you are with what you have. And if you recognize that you made a wrong decision, don't dwell on it. Just make a new decision and just keep going. I think that, you know, yeah, we we often hold ourselves back um, from the stories that we're telling ourselves of, you know, what we need before we can get started. When the truth of the matter is, is you just need to get started. No, oh, absolutely. And I, I think that is, you know, you're always your own worst enemy, right? You can give yourself a million reasons why you shouldn't do it or why you should wait to do it. And I think I've discovered with working with so many female-owned brands since I've launched that everybody is kind of of a similar mindset and everybody kind of started in the same way that they just took that leap and learned as they went, right? Like nobody was an expert when they started. And it can feel so scrambled and, you know, and, and I find for myself too, I, I just find that I'm trying to do so many things. And a lot of times I think like, who am I kidding? Why am I trying to do all of this? But I, I think everyone who starts a business does do everything all at once. And it's very over- overwhelming, but definitely a learning experience. And uh, I have found that talking to a lot of founders that, yeah, that's what it's like. It's it's chaotic and you're just learning everything all at one time and every day is different and um, it's exciting, but it is it can be a little daunting at first. Totally. Yeah, it, it can definitely be overwhelming and daunting um, and, and it is what you make it to. I find that what's really interesting, what I have found the most eye opening and interesting about starting a business that I don't hear people talk about very much is how much it has nothing to do with your business. <laughs> how much you do in business has very little to do with your business and a lot to do with how much you are growing personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of the time people are like reflecting on their business of like, you know, wh- why, and actually um, I saw a study of like, you know, why do startups fail? And also at times I've, when I've been doing like um, guest lectures, I've asked this question, like, why do you think 95% of startups fail? And most of the answers that come in are like underfunded or, you know, the marketplace or the economy or a pandemic or all of these things where the truth of the matter is, is that it's never a lack of resources. It's a lack of resourcefulness. Like as soon as you give up, is is when you fail. As soon as you decide, you know, that you've got no more gusto to find the resources that you need, that's when when you fail. And interesting enough too that that there is not really a difference between well-funded companies. And by well-funded, I mean like venture capitalist backed companies and bootstrapped companies. There's not a large difference as to um, which ones succeed and which ones fail. In fact, 
when I was starting EVO, some of my peers were really, really well-funded. And mm-hmm. I thought I was at such a disadvantage and I watched them go out of business. And um, that really, really opened my eyes to be like, wow, this really has very little to do with resources. Although in business, people are always talking about resources and strategies when really it comes down to you know, the entrepreneur and how are they growing as a person? How are they growing as a leader? How are they innovating? How are they changing their mindset? How do they adapt to feedback? How do they adapt to um, economic positions? How do they adapt to a pandemic? How do they adapt to all of these things? It has very little to do with resources. Yeah, no, that and that definitely makes sense. Constantly now I'm listening to podcasts for entrepreneurship and, and things like that. And that is the message that's constantly delivered. It's not about what you have financially to get going. It's more like your determination to get there. So that doesn't mean you have to have unlimited resources in order to be successful. In fact, I think that's why EVO has been able to, you know, we're, we're still very early and we still, you know, are small in, in so many ways. But I think that that's why EVO actually has been able to, you know, grow in the way that it has is because we started in such dire constraints and was able to adapt, you know, with hungry bellies and really everything stacked against us. Um, and by us, I mean, it was just me in that moment, (laughs) not even knowing, you know, whether I would have a roof over my head or where my next meal was coming from. And some of the scrappy, to be really frank, like messed up stuff that I did just to get by. I'm so grateful that I had that experience because it really honestly prepared me for entrepreneurship in a way in which now when, difficult things happen or, or, you know, cross my desk, it's not that daunting. It's not that overwhelming because it's never, I hope, or maybe it will be, I don't really have measure for risk. So I take way too much risk. So maybe this will happen, but I don't think I'll ever be in a dire constraint again, where I won't know how I'm going to feed myself or won't know whether I'm safe or have a roof over my head. And because of having had that experience so early on, everything else seems totally tackable and doable and not that big of a deal, even when it is like a, a kind of a big deal. Well, and you know, and that's, you know, that's one of the main things that you, you always hear with entrepreneurship is you have to be able to tolerate a pretty large amount of risk. And that's what steers a lot of people away. And when you have that mindset that you do of, you know, you know where you've been and you know how much you can handle. So nothing really scares you when you do have that background of, you know, where you started to where you are. Like from what we know, even after such success, you still live a humble and minimalistic life. And when life gets so busy and things keep accelerating for you, how do you stay grounded? That's a great question. I think a really big part of it is, again, like um, focusing back on the personal growth Because that plays such a big part in my journey as an entrepreneur as well, because my circumstances have been very different than most, which also means that my mindset and some of the mental health and mental challenges that I've had to overcome have also been different than most. And, And the drastic difference of shelter to where I am now. I've had less than most people and I've had more than most people. And that drastic difference so quickly in my life 
has really meant that I've had to really, really focus on my mental health and really, really focus on personal growth and breaking down limiting beliefs and, you know, focusing on, you know, making sure that I'm meditating, making sure that I'm constantly challenging my own belief system and hereditary patterns and things like that. So I think that how I stay grounded is just a constant focus on personal growth and that that's always kind of been what it's been for me. And it's also, it's never really been about building a company or acquiring success in however you measure success. Cause that can be, that word is kind of a loaded word, but it's always been about why I'm doing what I'm doing. And in order to succeed in that capacity of success, of accomplishing impact and change within the experiences that I've had in a broken system, that really keeps me grounded because I don't think that work is ever going to be done in my lifetime. Hopefully, we make incredible strides um, when it comes to domestic violence and when it comes to um, gender-based violence and you know the, the shelter system amongst children and, and those who are oppressed and disadvantaged. But that work is never going to be done. And that certainly keeps me really humble and grounded in an industry that often is full of glitz and glam and quite the opposite. It really, you know, sets us apart and really keeps me focused on, on why I'm doing this in the first place. And that personal experience and connection to it is something that you you can't replicate unless you've been through it. And so, yeah, that's really what keeps me long-winded answer but that keeps me grounded and focused no that's that's amazing and I have to say it really does show in your entire organization I mean I've been working closely with your team and everybody has that mindset right and everybody's very supportive and you guys really are there for the greater good and it's not just about the products it's not just about like selling beauty and skincare like you guys have such a great mission and I I really can say that it has come through in from the top down I mean I've I'm really impressed with the way that your team handles everything like it's just been such a positive experience I do want to talk a little more about the products and the industry as well Um, what was it about the clean beauty industry specifically that made you want to shake that up and make a change like what did you see that you thought needed to shift. Yeah. And thank you so much, Allison, for saying that about your experience. My heart is so big just knowing that because I really am so fortunate to get to work with such an incredible team. And that's another thing about being an entrepreneur too, is you get to choose who you work with. And so I'm spoiled every single day. So um, thank you so much for that huge compliment. And they have like, I mean, it's, it's been really incredible and um, they've truly inspired me to take some steps. I've um, now involved myself with um, Mamas for Mamas and I'm just really excited to get involved. It's been very good for me and uh, it'll continue to be. That's amazing. Oh, Mamas for Mamas is an incredible organization. That's a whole nother conversation. Yes. Talk about <laughs> <Bottom on. laughs> I'm so sorry, Allison. I forget your second question. Yeah, you know what? I, I got sidetracked there too. <laughs> yeah, no worries. I do want to know what it was about the clean beauty industry when you started that made you want to make a change and, and shake that up and kind of advance that in a different way. Yeah, right. So if I was being very honest, I don't think that I could really say that, you know, I saw 
the green beauty industry and thought that something needed to change. I don't think that my mind was really there in that moment. In fact, there was no strategy to what I was doing when I started, <laughs> to be really frank. I, it's um, kind of a, a blur, to be honest. I really didn't look at it that way at the time. But mm-hmm. now connecting the dots, looking back, I what really drives us to continue to really be innovative and different in the green beauty space is that is is really again leaning back on the experiences of where and how I created EVO. So I think that in the green beauty space right now, it's it's a lot of um, uh, how do how do I say this? Like it's there's a lot of green shaming. It's not just in the beauty industry. It's the world is going through such a important pivotal change right now. And some people are more advanced than others. And some some industries are more advanced in innovation than others to really create a more conscious um, green future. But just like the word success, the word conscious is a loaded question and a loaded word as well. And so really what what drives me is is holding that compassion and empathy for people wherever they are on their journey, which is actually why you don't see us talk about our ingredients a ton or really even talking about green beauty a ton, because we know that we're not we're not experts in green beauty, but we certainly, you know, we consult with experts. We make sure that all of our products are clean. As we know better, we do better. But really where we focus on also is within our relationships and ensuring that we're uplifting our definition of consciousness, which is making sure that we're marketing our products in a way that is respectful to the intelligence of our consumer and that is offering value and benefit to the world in a way that's impacting the world positively. So ensuring that we are inclusive, ensuring that our community is a part of the conversation when it comes to deciding how we're going to market our products. And a lot of the time, too, our consumers are actually driving our knowledge. Consumers in the green beauty space are wildly intelligent, and they are often driving our knowledge to teach us. And then as we know better, we do better. And that's a nice thing about remaining quite small, too, is being able to be agile within that. And I know it's not going to be like that forever, but I know that one of our core values is just to constantly be learning and doing better and innovating. And that's also how we got into the cannabis space. Um, We were the first people to ever do a merger and acquisition with a publicly traded cannabis company um, in the cosmetic space. And we got into that not to jump on a trend bandwagon. In fact, there wasn't a trend or a bandwagon at that time. In fact, in fact, we got a lot of flack because it was still considered a class one drug in that time. It was prior to legalization. But we felt as if we were on the right side of history because it was benefiting to the impact of green beauty because it is a heavily regulated ingredient, which we can't say about any other ingredients in the green beauty space. Um, The space is really self-regulated. Even the word green, clean, organic, none of them actually have regulation to them. But this one ingredient is so heavily regulated. I can tell you how much it was watered and where it was grown. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And that was something that I thought, wow, that is really interesting. If we could start to adopt some of those efficacies into our ingredients, what what a great way to move things forward. And also, I'd be lying if I said that, like, stirring shit up a little bit and um, breaking stigmas 
wasn't what, you know, that that's really what drives me as an entrepreneur. Every stigma, I mean, the stigma of living in a shelter, I should not have the success that I have right now. Or the fact that I only went to school until grade nine, and I lived in a shelter as a child as well. I should not be where I am right now. And um, I am so grateful. And what I love most about it and what drove me to get to where I am right now is breaking stigmas. I hate being put into a box. And so, um, so talking about that from a green beauty perspective as well, green beauty has been put into such a box and there's so much green shaming and we just want to be a welcoming space that come as you are and wherever you're at in your journey of being more conscious from an ingredient perspective, from an ethical perspective, whatever it might be, come as you are, we welcome you and let's all learn together as opposed to let's pretend to be the expert. And let's pretend to, you know, have all the answers. Because let's be frank, nobody does. It's still relatively a new space. That, that's very true. And the green shaming, I like that you put it that way, because I'm seeing that a lot, being that, I, you know, I'm trying to include the most ethical brands that I can in, in the Seasonal Skin Collective boxes. And um, I do want to keep that clean, organic product coming in. But I, I am discovering that, there's a lot of questions around what that means exactly. And and it is, it's a little overwhelming with the differences of opinion on it. But I, again, like you say, you just kind of learn as you go. And I love your transparency and how you go about that. And I love that you continue to shake shit up because this, <laughs> it's really exciting <laughs> to watch. And I was very intrigued by the rejuvenating mask with the cannabis sativa it's an amazing product. And then, you know, when people started using it from the box, they're like, you know, when I first squeeze it out, it seems like it's going to be heavy and clogging, but it like, it's so nourishing and everyone has given me such great feedback on it. So, I mean, it's, it's good to, to take a step in a direction no one else is because look, look what comes of it. I honestly put that, I put their juvenile mask on head to toe. I love it. It's amazing. (laughs) I'm so happy to hear that. And I, um, my favorite thing about it too, is, you know, that like beautiful green color that the mask Mm -hmm. is, that is 100% it's natural color. We don't add any um, unnatural fragrances or unnatural colorings. That is literally the color from the Canadian grown hemp. Isn't it a stunning color? It is. It's like, and it's the texture of dreams. Like it is so Instagram ready at all times. I love it. Yeah. And so that collection in particular, sadly, it's discontinued right now, but it is coming back better than ever. Um, It is discontinued right now because that was a partnership with Aurora Cannabis, which is um, one of the largest cannabis companies in the world, publicly traded. And all of our hemp in our products were made with their hemp. Um, so literally we were a part, so those products, um, in that collection, we were a part of watching the seeds go in the ground to grow the hemp and it's pretty incredible experience as well to, you know, be able to be from seedling to product through every, every step of that process. And then have such a beautiful product come out of it was, was a really amazing experience. Well, it doesn't get any more organic than that. So I can say you're an expert on that now. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) can say that with confidence. <laughs> no, that's that's incredible. And it, it is. It's a great product. And I definitely am looking forward to what's to come if um, there's something else on the horizon. 
Ooh, we, yes, we have. So EVO Skin is going to be making a comeback very soon. And the mask will be back. All of our, all of our EVO Skin faves are coming back with new friends. Um, Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again for being here, Brandy. Yeah, we definitely want to keep our eye on EVO because I, I think your brand's amazing and your the people involved from yourself down to to the rest of your team. You guys are just doing such a great job and definitely empowering women, especially in business. Like I, I have to say my my first debut winter box, the brands I worked with, it made it so easy for me to say, you know what, this is going to be a great experience because I Luckily, the first brands I reached out to were so welcoming and so supportive, and it's been a very good experience, and I I do have my brands to thank for that. We're so happy to be a part of it, Allison. Thank you so much for having us. And that is it for our show today. Thank you for joining us. We will see you next time on the Seasonal Skin Collective podcast.